All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself uh, with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Uh, today joining me is John Troutman, who is the founder of Real Estate Knowledge Institute. Uh, and you're located in Arizona, correct? Yes, we're in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Have uh, have been. We started here about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one question that I like to ask a lot of my guests to start off is, what got you out of bed this morning, John? Oh, commitments, man. Uh, I have commitments uh, to myself and other people. So that usually starts about 4, 4.30 in the morning. You got to get up, people waiting for it. So got to keep it moving. Team, commitment. Are you, are you the yeah. type that, like, you wake up, coffee, and in workout or are you coffee emails like do you have a morning routine i know you're big on routines and patterns yeah so every morning's pretty consistent and uh people call them habit stacking but you know i wake up you know between 4 and 4:30 every morning and then i do a meditation um if i'm good i could get better at this i do some journaling and then off to the gym i go so um, try to try to get there between five and five fifteen, and then and and make that happen. So that's that's my morning routine, um, you know, for most days. And, and that has to be so challenging. I mean, you're a father, and I think you're a newly grandfather, correct? That that is correct. So you know, it's it's not as hard because you know I'm not taking kids to school. You know, the youngest is twenty four, so. Yeah, they they all have their lives outside of here. So, yeah, it's uh, it's routine now. So I've been doing it for so long. It'd be weird not doing it. You know, it's probably harder not getting up and doing those things because then I'm sluggish. And when you say sluggish, meaning like you just feel like you can't get through the rest of your day. Have you have you noticed a difference in like your mood and behaviors on days where you don't have your morning routine versus days you do? Absolutely. If I don't do my routine, then my energy's off. Like my focus may be off. Um, it, it impacts my 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 day in a negative way for sure. Like I'll incorporate like doing Sundays is more like a cold plunge day for me, and I read a book. Sundays is my I try to break the my you know patterns or habits or get out of my comfort zone. I think it's probably probably a better way to phrase it. Where you know, let's do something different than I'm used to. Like I delete social media off my phone on Saturday evening. So I'm not even looking at it Sunday. I don't want to, I just, it's a day to recharge, refocus, um, meditation that day as well. Maybe I'll do a yoga practice. Um, you know, definitely doing a cold plunge, something like that to reset your yourself. Just try to you know, there'll be like, I, I pick a book. I'll try to, you know, start to finish, do a book that day. Um, if not, I'll finish it by, you know, early in the week. So those are, those are some other things I try to do Sunday. I just try to, you know, I, I try to push myself on that day. Like, let's just say, for example, I use this the other day, cause it's true. Like you go to the gym all the time, you see the same people, but maybe you've been going for years and you know how it is with guys. You like, you see each other across the across the gym and maybe you know there's the energy isn't vibing you're almost like mean mugging each other to a degree like i'll just be like all right enough like i'm gonna go talk to that person today just like see what's up you know not not in a weird way but just hey like you know shit i've been going to the same gym for x amount of years like break that stuff up park the ego go say what's up so um yeah whatever it might be like just stepping back and reflecting and, and trying to push myself. So that's, that's my Sunday routine for the most part. You know, it's, you know, I've been going to, I played high school, college football, and, you know, I'm in and out the gym and you're right. There's, there are those people in our lives, whether it's in the gym or at work where maybe you haven't had any interactions with them or talked to them, but like, there's like this tension it's some mean mugging, whatever, you don't know what it is. Yeah. And then you go and talk to them. And then you realize you had it, I, like, I, ha- I realized I had it all wrong in my head. I, I, I thought yeah. they were bugging, they, 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 they were being confrontational. And then, uh, you know, then you end up being best friends. Is that been your, 
experience typically? So typically what it is, is like you end up being cool with that person. You probably know a lot of uh, more people in common, but you know what happens a lot of times is like doors will open. Like they'll know someone who, you know, maybe you were trying to get a deal, for example. It's just weird because when I push myself like in that, in situations like that to just, hey, you know, you should be talking to this person. If I talk to that person, it's usually perfect timing and it ends up opening up a door for me that I've been looking for an answer on, if that makes sense. Like, so that, that goes into kind of your network, right? Like trying to grow your network. A lot of people, a lot of us are, you know, we get in our habits. We're very, uh, we're creatures of habit, right? So I'm always trying to think like, all right, you're, you're, you know, you're thinking kind of small minded. This is for myself. Like you need to challenge yourself, get out, meet people. You know, um, it's easy to be a recluse and kind of just stay in your, your, your lane, if you will, but get going out, networking, talking to people, uh, pushing that envelope. Usually it's, it's always good stuff comes from it. Right. Cause you find like that, what is it that Kevin Bacon, sixth degree of separation It's probably less than that really when it comes down to it and more people, you know, and that you have a, a good impact on, or you, you positive, you know, when opportunities um, present themselves and you, for example, if you're doing good by somebody or bad, you get a reputation for it and you did bad by someone and maybe an opportunity for myself to go buy real estate or something. And someone says, Hey, yeah, that person burnt me on a deal. Right that's not going to work well for me. And I can't, I can't grow my business if I'm out there ruining my reputation like that. So, you know, it's just a matter of just doing good things, pushing yourself, networking and uh, doing what you say you're going to do. I know I'm kind of long winded on that, but it, it all blends together. No, nah, be, be long winded, man. You know, my listeners, you know, we're almost at 300 episodes and they've heard everything I have to say. So uh, they're, they're, they're excited for a fresh voice uh, on here. And, you know, and you're a man of action, you know, I, you know, some people talk about how they meditate, journal, blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, I saw on your Instagram, you recently just got back from a trip in Costa Rica and you hung out with some, uh, you know, with the locals and, and it seemed like a, a spiritual retreat. Can you tell us about that? And what was the motivation for, for going on such a, uh, a trip? Yeah. So th- that was life changing. I, I think, uh, when you're in it and doing it. Um, so that was, I went down there, did uh, plant-based medicine. Um, it's an alternative. It's, you know, lots of other places in the world you're allowed to do it. And in the States it's illegal. I don't know why it's, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing and it's helps people, you know, kind of um, as human beings, we have trauma. We create, you, you know, we go through traumatics, uh, situations and we hold on to that stuff, whether it's energy blocks, whatever it is. Um, you know, sometimes we just need that little bit extra boost or different perspective or help, right. Getting past it and doing plant-based medicine, I think helps people spiritually. It helps enlighten them, uh, and helps them, you know, maybe purge some stuff that they need to, or just helps them connect to, you know, themselves, the universe, all of it. So, it really depends on what you're looking uh, for and, you know, it, it could help you through those situations. So that, that was the reason for it. You find a lot of like-minded people down there doing the same thing, which is nice because you don't want to be doing stuff like that with people that are maybe negative energy, but through that process, um, you know, it's the reason I did it um, was just, it's, it's, always trying to push myself, um, become, you know, a better human being, look at things from a different perspective, um, you know, growth, if you will. So, you know, the opportunity uh, presented itself and I was able to afford the time, energy and effort to go down there and uh, meet some fantastic people that I'll be friends with for a long time to come. And uh, through that, you know, other opportunities, to experience and share with other people has come up a lot. Like a lot of people are looking at doing those things. You know, you, you look at people like Tim Ferriss, you look at like Elon Musk, you look at some of the people, you know, um, Steve Jobs, a lot of people we know 
have done, you know, some plant-based medicines that it's just not necessarily um, talked about. But it is growing. It's something that more and more people are talking about and, and exploring. And, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's almost become pretty common in the cities, inner cities, where people go do it. I just wanted to experience in a true, authentic situation. So I went to, I went to Costa Rica to do so. Yeah. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of friends who've gone there, and I have not heard one bad story about uh, Costa Rica. Um, you know, Baltimore, on the other hand, I've heard mixed <laughs> reviews. But uh, Costa Rica, I've, I've had friends who've moved down there, and, uh, and, and they love it. You, you talked about a way of purging our traumas. Can you give us a bit more detail as to, you know, your experience with trauma and what that has looked like for you? Well, I think we all like my trauma compared to a lot of other people's trauma may maybe minute. You see people on their journeys trying to, um, you know, figure that out and process it. For myself, it's really no different. We go through and uh, experience, you know, pain or or we say trauma, whatever it is, you know, um, whether it's stuff growing up or things that we've you know done or experienced in our adulthood. Uh, stuff that's been done to us, maybe, you know, bad breakups or whatever, right? So we carry this stuff and then we get rigid from it. Um, I think that's all normal, right? It's how we process it and deal with it um, that, you know, could be unhealthy. We store that stuff in our body. So, you know, that and could come out in different forms that aren't so healthy, right? Like that negative energy or blockages or whatever it is, you know, could create, you know, just a bad experience. It's bad and hard on your body. So being able to, um, you know, purge that. When I say purge, I mean, just really process it or give yourself a different perspective of the situation so you can move on from it. Right. And I'm not going to say, sit here and say like, oh, if you have this and you go down there, um, and if that's your intention, I don't know if it's going to work for you or not, but it's definitely going to open up some doors for you and give you different perspectives. I'd be really surprised if it, if it didn't, um, everybody that I've talked to, it is a, um, it, it does present to them a different, um, perspective, I guess I would say, and add some enlightenment, if you will, um, yeah, I'll stick with the word perspective. I mean, that's ultimately how we process it, right? So um, in working with people down there, you have shaman that can help you uh, with it as well in ways that I'm not qualified to even try to describe how it works. But, you know, this tribe happens to be a couple thousand years old and they've been doing it for quite some time and they're they're great at it. So it was, uh, it was a beautiful experience. And I think uh, that would, that was my take on it my experience and i would say from the 13 other people that was probably a lot of their takeaways too yeah yeah you know you're so right when you you start off talking about um you know your trauma might be different than other people's traumas or may seem minute because when we talk about trauma it is in how uh we perceive what's happened to us right so uh a breakup for one person might be you know not a big deal but for someone else it could be it could feel like the end of the world and so it's not so much of what happens to you but how you perceive what happens to you um you you seem to be someone who is like you have a process you have a routine um you you are you take time to reflect is that something that was ingrained in you from your childhood is this something that you saw your father doing and taking the, the time out to take care of himself while taking care of the family? No, (laughs) no, man, you think about our parents in the way that I think, and I'm generalizing. So, um, but I just think it's a different generation where they just worked and worked and worked. And, you know, um, you know, my dad worked for the same company for 43 years. So, you know, work ethic is one thing I, I definitely attribute to, you know, uh, something I got from my dad is that and do what you say you're going to do. As far as taking time out for yourself, no, that's something that I'm learning, honestly. It's, you know, I, I got 
married really young, 20, 24, maybe 23. I can't remember. 23, 24. She had uh, um, a couple kids from a previous marriage. They're, you know, they're my kids, Nelson and Olivia. And then we had Josie when I was 24. And, um, you know, baptism by fire, really, like sink or swim. So at the age of 24, literally, I <clears throat> was raising a family. My mortgage payment on my first house was 2454. And uh, it seemed like all the money in the world. And really, it was. I was. It was the, the, you know, the only one working in the family. So it, there was some stress there. But <clears throat> my point being is, I didn't really learn to have time or take time out for myself, you know. And so, you know, once uh, a couple of years ago, I just I started doing it. Started, you know, I hadn't really read a lot of books uh, in my adulthood. Now I I try to get a book in a week. Um, pretty good about keeping that commitment. Some books are just, so it takes a little longer, but, um, you know, I'm just trying, just trying to be a a, a better version of myself. Right. So learn from my mistakes, grow from other people's wisdom and knowledge, surround myself by people that are, you know, smarter than myself and, um, ambitious. So, um, anyways, that's, and noticing through that, you know, a lot of people take time out for themselves. They just don't grind into the ground like I've been used to. So, you know, I'm getting a little older now. So I'm trying to pay attention to to, to father time. So anyways, yeah. Yeah, three kids uh, around the age of 24 definitely sounds like a stressful time. And you have a, a you know, a house payment, mortgage payment of 24. You say 24, 24? 2454. 2454. I don't remember the chain, but I remember the dollar amount. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like your 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 email would be like John Trout at uh, Troutman at 2454. Because, um, like <laughs> exactly. I mean, I can't, I don't know too many people who know the, the cost of their first house payment. So it, it definitely had a significance uh, for you. It was, well, it was significant for a couple of reasons. That was hard but i i did finance at, at for a car dealership i was the uh it was the largest dealership in the in the state washington is where i'm from so it was the largest dealership and there was a lot of pressure in that that seat in the car business you know it's uh <laughs> it's a lot of head games and stuff like that so you know you're 24 in a position really where you're out out performing financially most you know pretty much everybody in the dealership except the owner, the GM and GSM. So, you know, you're making a lot of money, but you're also, you you know, a target for other salespeople, um, you know, cause they want that job. Other people might be mad or jealous. I mean, I think the, the next closest person after I got in a, another friend of mine got in a, uh, the same position. So we worked together, but um, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a lot of stress and, and, pressure but you know they were 10 years older than us minimum right so they didn't like the younger guys coming in and and causing waves and taking jobs and stuff like that so there was that stress plus the stress of learning a new uh, you know a new field you're not just learning sales you got to learn finance you got to learn all the legal so you're really you're really this key inter intricate piece to the card business, you know, finance, you like literally you have to have the banking relationships and you have to know the legal better than anybody. Cause you're technically the legal of the, of the dealership, uh, of the dealership anyway. So anyways, you have all that stuff coupled with, you know, all this responsibility. Um, I wouldn't change it for anything. It's it helped make me who I am um, because there's days that you want to quit and just say, you just screw it all, you know, tell your boss to go pound sand or maybe, you know, a different choice of words, but you can't cause you got to park that ego. You got to shut your mouth and keep it moving. Like just, you got kids. Like I could sleep on a park bench, but the kids can't sleep on a park bench and I'm not going to put them in that space. So, you know, you, you literally have to learn to eat crow and just, you know, not, I'm not saying be a punk or anything like that, but you know, when you want to, flex up you just got to shut up and keep it moving you know you see so many people quit 
even back then, like everybody wants to talk about this generation today, but you know, let's face it, it's always been there. In the car business, I would pe- see people quit, you know, because they, because whatever reason, they would quit and think they were going to go make all this money somewhere else. But really, uh, I'd see them back a year, two years later, you know, and I'd look and think, gosh, if they would have just stayed, they'd be making double the money because they would have been promoted or, you know, customers would have known where they're at. So at some point, you know, you just get a repeat customer base. But when you keep, you know, cutting the, the, the tree down, you got to continue, you know, to go plant roots somewhere else. And then you leave again, you're just not letting those roots grow. So by the time I left there, you know, I, I, things were really I mean, I chose to leave the car business. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like my, my soul or whatever. I, I would have made happily made less money just to be happy and out of that business. And I know some people, I was on Brad Lee's Dropping Bombs and he was loves the car business, loves finance. I, I, I just thought being in a box doing the same stuff over and over, I couldn't do it anymore. I just, I couldn't. Yeah, so... I, I, I like that. And I appreciate you you sharing that, that story and that sentiment. And, you know, being 24 and, um, you know, having three kids and thinking about like the future you want your kids to, to have. And, you know, you start off this podcast talking about how your commitments got you out of bed this morning, you know, thinking about your family and, and the employees and things like that. It sounds like you got that, uh, that, level of commitment from your father, you know, him working 43 years at, at a job, what are, uh, characteristics or values that you picked up from your mom? It's a great question. Um, (laughs) um, it's weird because as a, as a, as a guy, I, I gravitate towards, you know, my dad's uh, traits and things like that. Um, my, some of the stuff that I got from, from my mom, um, quite honestly, um, when I look at it, the gifts that she's given me is, um, to make decisions um, and to understand the consequences behind those decisions. I would say it's more of a, to live your life uh, to the fullest and with no regrets and knowing that if you make X decision, you have a consequence behind it and that could forever impact your life and to be careful of those things. Does that make sense? It's about the best I could answer that. I'm sorry. Uh, it sounds like uh, just even thinking about it made you a, a, a bit more emotional or it brought up some memories for you. Yeah. My, yeah. My mom's a, a fantastic lady. Um, she, she is, I just, I think there's um, patterns that we get from our parents and we could choose to um, repeat them or break that cycle. So, you know, some of those, some of those things just cross over and we have to, at some point um, make that decision and take ownership. So, yeah. And and I love that you brought up patterns because it's true. A lot of things that we do, we, we tend to think that it's ingrained, it's innate, it's who we are. And then as we start to peel back layers and start to do the, the self-reflective work, we realize we're, ju- we're just uh, imitating uh, patterns from our parents or even generational. They talk about generational trauma of, of patterns that we may not even be aware of if we're not able to trace our, uh, our, our lineage uh, backwards. How, you know, right now, how old are you now, John? Uh, 47. I'll be 48 uh, in a couple months. So between the ages of 24 and 47, you know, besides this current trip to Costa Rica and, you know, having your set routines, and like you said, you just kind of started that these past few years, what are some of the intentional steps you've made towards 
breaking the patterns that you saw that you felt were uh, not beneficial to you? Yeah. So a, a couple of things, I mean, I, I could reflect back um, and think of some of these things, right? It's not like, it's like in every section of our lives, we, we, we have that opportunity or something presents itself. Um, I feel like a few years ago, um, well, let, let me back, let me go back even further. Me working for a company for a long time um, was, um, or working for a company in general, I, I didn't really bounce around. I worked at the car dealership for, for eight years. And then I worked for a company called Washington Mutual or WAMU as, as a um, vice president for them for about the same time until they went out of business. And, you know, at some point it was like, okay, I've, I've really kind of, got the work ethic thing down, you know, I've done better financially than my parents, which I would assume they're happy about, but, you know, I'm still not venturing off and doing my own thing. So I, at that point, I, it was kind of like go out on a limb, right. And, you know, do your own thing, like really do your own thing. I was always invested in real estate, but I kind of felt like I was teetering. Like I, like I had this job security and I had this entrepreneurial mind. So at some point, like severed this piece and just decided, especially after 2008, like I'm not going to be, you know, solely dependent and have be heavy on um, one person's or, or a company, right, for my income. So I decided at that point, I wouldn't be a one legged stool, you know. Um, so that was maybe a pattern. I think as far as this other piece, you know, I, I ground for so long. And I say that like, um, you know, everybody's a couple things here. Like I think of words my parents would say like, hey, you know, you work too hard. Take it easy. You know, why are you always working? Right. So if you're listening to that, you're listening to this right now and you that, you know, is something that you hear. I, I, I would say like, no, grind it do what you do. If you love it, is it really work? I love real estate. I love real estate. And that's what I do. I, I, I mean, that's a vehicle, right? So it's a vehicle where I could uh, connect with a lot of people and I have fun doing it, right? So you get to meet with, you know, I get to meet a ton of phenomenal um, business owners. I get to work with them. I get to help them create space. Uh, homeowners, same thing. I get to help them, you know, um, you know, with their house, something that they could create and uh, create a family in and, or, or a home in and all that good stuff. So you get to touch people in different ways. And for me, the real estate vehicle, I love it. So when people are like, hey, you work too much, no, stay in your lane. <laughs> like, like it, I, it's, I'm okay, right? So, but a couple of years ago, I decided like maybe three years ago, I decided, okay, it's probably time to pull the ripcord, right? Like I had some milestones, some markers out there and decided, okay, like I'm going to hit these markers. And when I do, I'm going to retire. Retire is kind of a, a loose word. Um, just won't work like, I, like I've been working. And so it kind of gave me a bunch of reflection, made me think about a lot of stuff and drove me, started driving me inward as far as like getting back into like spirituality and, and just reflection and slowing down and just really looking at like, what are you doing? Like, is, is what you're doing really your purpose right now? So now I've, I've focused more on balance, right? Like, I think there's a balance that you can have, you could have money, you could have spirituality, you could have it both. It's weird because you don't have to just have it all. Like you, you don't have to be so heavy in one that you can't have any of the other, if that makes sense. That's why, that's why the logo, the Buddha and the monopoly uh, guy. So it's, uh, it's just all about balance. And uh, I love them, so I, I kind of probably go a little more extreme in them than most, but that's what I do, right? So 
I, uh, I don't watch TV. Um, you know, I, I just try to do stuff that to keep my, my mind healthy, my body healthy and, and, uh, just keep pushing. So anyways, I don't, did I answer the question where, where are we going to talk about real estate today? No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, this is all real estate because, you know, we're talking about emotional real estate, mental real estate, right? Yeah. And yep. when we know so many people, and I'm sure you've met a, a lot of people, John, who have acquired some type of financial success, whether it's in real estate or other ventures. And because they didn't tend to their emotional real estate or, uh, you know, their physical real estate, they lost it all. It, it was taken mm-hmm. away from them. It, it, it was all dissolved. Uh, and it's seemingly it, something that took them 10, 20, 30 years to build gone uh, in, in one night. And, and, uh, and you're right, you know, that the fact that you have Monopoly, which is my, one of my favorite board games, and, uh, and, and the, you know, mixed in with the Buddha, is, it's, a, it's a dope logo. And it, it reminds me of, um, I think it was Socrates, one of those guys who, uh, who said, every man should have a book in one hand and a sword in the other. And, and to me, that's, you know, kind of the, the Monopoly. Like, you got to think business, but you also have to, you can't forget yourself you know, in the process of, uh, your pursuit of whatever you're going after. So, uh, no, I appreciate you sharing those sentiments. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's been my truth. And, and I think you're right on with the fact that a lot of people, um, you know, lose sight of it, you know, myself included, I lost sight of it and it became more about the game. And, uh, and then, yeah, you just end up losing a piece of yourself through the whole thing. So it's like, is it worth it? You know, it depends. Can you pivot? And I know the pivots of 2020, but I'll go back further than that. Cause I think of like, all right, well, you could sit there and live in pain and regret, or you can push through it and become a stronger um, person from your experiences and be able to share those with other people giving back uh, because you know, I believe like when you're going through stuff, it's amazing how people gravitate to you that maybe are a step or two behind you that you're able to to help, you know, for lack of better words, mentor through situations like that. So, you know, there's a there's a there's something to that whole energy thing that. Uh, that we just attract each each other, attract what's needed, whether we tap into it, it's a totally different thing. It sounds like connection is is such a, a huge value for you. You talked about, you know, connecting with people in the gym, connecting with people at work. You know, on this trip to Costa Rica, it was about the relationships you were able to build. Why is connecting and, and networking and building these relationships so uh, valuable to you? Well, a, a few. there's a few different reasons. It's a great question. Um, there's a few different reasons that I could think of just for myself. One is the obvious, like doors open up financially, but they also open up in opportunities, right? But I, but I also think, you know, there's things that I can share and there's things that I could learn from other people. And if I'm not talking to other people, I'm not learning and I'm not able to share. And part of it is, is we're here to, to help each other. So, if you, like, for example, if, some, if we were just talking about energy and people coming to you and being able to help them through situations, um, if you're a step or two ahead of them in, in your process, and that could be for spirituality, that could also be in real estate, right? So being able to help people in any different way, that's, the real estate is a vehicle, right? Um, and that's all it is. So I still use it to tap in with people and help them. And if people could reach a, a Let's, let's face it, the financial um, success that people could reach or nowadays versus, you know, back in the, I don't, I don't, in the primitive days, we we're just basically working on survival. We have the luxury now to, you know, we're in the best times ever. We can tap into more information than ever. It's all, it's all on, you know, all on our phones and uh, basically learn whatever we need to, we can get our information out and touch people like, like never before. Um, it's just a matter of, are we extracting it? But you have to typically have money to be able to take time to have that freedom and flexibility 
and you know, to go drop X amount of money to go to Costa Rica or whatever it is, right? So being able to to do that, real estate has been a vehicle that if I could teach people how to do it, then they could have the freedom and flexibility in their schedule to do something similar. And ultimately, you know, the people that I do connect with in real estate are on a similar type of path, whether that's coincidence or not, or I call it energy. But through the networking piece, I don't know, like, I just have always been, you know, liked people. I like people. I like talking to people. I'm not, you know, one that's, you know, out at the restaurant, you know, going from table to table, don't get me wrong. But when an opportunity comes up and someone's sitting there, it's not always just coincidental. It's like you start talking to the person and, you know, friendships happen or, you know, just the networking or just meeting a cool person. Um, I don't know. There's always something good coming from a, you know, solid conversation. So for me, just pushing myself in that direction to have those type of conversations is, uh, is rewarding to me on a deeper level. Like I get to talk to people typically and not just a surface, um, necessarily, but you could go a little bit deeper with some, some people you could guide people into, um, you know, like re- retreats, for example, or you could see where people are stuck in, you know, with real estate or what, what their roadblock is. Or, and typically, you know, all these things, we have roadblocks and limiting beliefs in ourselves, you know, um, and that if I could help with the, any of those and overcoming them, and I, I have them myself, we all have them, right? So, you know, my limiting beliefs, if I could network with someone and they could help me through that, great. So I, I, I just, and I'll say this, I'll leave it at this. I'm a lot happier when I'm connected with people than I'm, than I'm a recluse sitting by myself. And I'm not saying I don't like, I love my time by myself. I love my time by myself, but to always be like that, that's not rewarding either. And I don't think it's how we're designed to be. I think we're meant to share experiences and I'm not saying like you need a broad, you know, need to, network with a ton of people or whatever. I do like doing that, but probably go deep with a handful and have just a, you know, solid, rich handful of friends too. You know, you know, I don't have a ton of friends, but the ones I have are solid. So, and I'm doing a lot of talking to them. No, you mean, you know, tying into the Buddha, they, you know, there's a, a quote that says, uh, uh, the panda asked the Buddha was like, uh, what's more important, the destination or the journey? And the Buddha responds, uh, what's most important is who you travel with. And mm-hmm. so you're talking about shared experiences. Uh, it, it reminds me of that. Um, but you also brought up, um, you know, approaching people. We're talking about connections. What do you say when you approach somebody at the gym and you're trying to make friends? I mean, making friends was easy in elementary school. Hey, you want to play? Yeah, sure. What do you say? Hey, you want to lift weights? Like, what are you saying in the gym? No, man. I don't know. You got to, it's like every situation, you got to read it. Right. I mean, you got to be able to read people and know if that's the time you should come up or how do you, how do you make that approach? Right. So that, that could be tricky. I, I, I like to be a little forward about it. Like, Hey man, I've seen you in here. Like we've been, uh, we've been working out here for a long time, you know, just something just forward about it. I'm not trying to be weird about it. Like, especially at the, the gym, it's not a spot to be weird anyways, but just approaching people and just being like, Hey man, you've been coming in here for a long time. Like, I'm just going to come up and introduce myself. I'm John, right? Just, just, yeah, just forward and whatever. And just read it from there. I don't know. Some people, maybe, maybe if you're listening to this and you're not a people person, maybe you shouldn't do it. I don't know. Like, I just like people though. So I'll try to read the situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Uh, you're a people person. You get it. The people that I'm serious. Like, I'm not trying to be awkward at the gym. <laughs> I'm not trying to be awkward at the gym. But in general, I'll try to like take the gym out of this equation for a second. If it's just out and about or wherever, just like how how can I connect or 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 you know talk to this person real quick, you know and sometimes the conversation takes off. Sometimes it doesn't. I had a friend, he was a a car salesman and I asked him how he, like what strategies or tactics he used to build rapport quickly. Cause you know, it's a small window. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you meet someone and to make them feel like you're uh, a friend or somebody who cares about them and not just there for the transaction. And he told me something I'll always remember. He said, use form, F-O-R-M. He said, ask someone about their family, their occupation, their relationships or recreation. And then, uh, then M is the message, like whatever you're trying to uh, sell them on. And I always think about that when I talk to people, you know, because once you, it's, I found that it's true when you get somebody to talk about their family, their, what they do for work and what they like to do for fun, then, you know, anything else after that is, is gravy. There's a, there's a strong connection there. So I was, I was wondering if, if you had some type of blueprints, since I know you're in the patterns of how you approach people. Well, usually it's going to lead with, if I see someone in the, in there in construction, I'm going to lead with, you know, something on that at the gym. It's, you know, it's like, Hey man, I expected better results from you. What's going on? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just right. Kidding. I seen you in here. But yeah, yeah. 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 When you're going to get serious about actually doing this, stop playing games. Yeah. Yeah. They call it a neg. Yeah. 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 I read that. <laughs> Neil Strauss, uh, a, a good friend with him. Um, the, you know, you've been married since you're 24, you're 40, you said 48? Yeah, I'll be 48 this year. You'll be 48 this year. I would imagine that, that, that you know, besides the financial, there's been, you know, some challenges, emotional challenges, disagreements. How do you resolve or discuss challenging um, issues that come up? Is there, uh, you know, we, we're not going to go to bed angry? Or are we going to talk to our therapist? What 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 practices have you put in place around that? So, so um, just around relationships in general, probably the number one thing that I do uh, now versus I didn't do well before, and maybe it comes with age or whatever, is uh, I'm just slower to react. Like I take it in. Like <clears throat> I, I have to look at, you know, the layers of what's going on. If someone comes at me, you know, if someone comes at me with something like what's really going on here. And usually it's an issue with them, not necessarily with me. Um, and vice versa. If something triggers is triggered in me, I have to look at it too. Like, all right, what's really going on and why is this bothering me so much? And, uh, you know, there's a bigger picture there. So instead of getting, uh, triggered, if you will, just, you know, taking a step and just looking at it. I, for me, I would say the single biggest thing that's helped me look at that, if it wasn't for age, because, you know, is is more about um, just through meditation. Because meditation allows you at time to sit with it for a second and gives you that space, right? So, I mean, nowadays, it's it's go, 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 go. Um, and so meditation, I think, has become even harder and harder because, you know, phones, everything is fighting for our attention. And so our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, right? So it's harder for us to complete simple tasks. So if we're not combating and trying it by doing some sort of mental exercises, because our, our brain's a muscle too. So if we're not working it, then we're kind of losing that fight. And in that process, what I've learned for me is being able to sit with it and just typically stuff that used to bother me just doesn't bother me. And it just, I'm just not triggered by it because you have to see it like the the person that's coming at you with something's, you know, it's their stuff. And, you know, if, if I was to break it down to a very basic, it's like, why would I give that person so much control over my life? Like that person's anger controls me. That's, that's not very healthy for, to give someone that much control of your life. So, I mean, that's maybe a very basic way, but quite frankly, it just doesn't trigger me. If anything, I'll help walk that person through what's going on. And we take a different approach at it. And usually, um, you know, something else comes from it, right? If they're able to sit with it for a second. So it just depends. I mean, all this stuff is stuff that I've had to go through too. Um, so that's how I recognize it. Right. 
And, and I love I love how you said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk them through it like is go outside. That's what that sounded like. But I like how you put it, John. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie. That stuff, hey, I'm in construction and stuff happens sometimes. Oh. And, and uh, yeah, usually we're outside. So, yeah, like we're like just pick a tree. You want, you want me to whip your ass at? No, I'm just kidding. The you know uh, having built it, we we have a I have two more questions left. Building your business to where you've built it, how have you dealt with failures and and setbacks? We we're talking about people struggling to deal with breakups, but how how do you deal with failures and loss and setback? How do you reframe that? So so to, okay, so I th- I think this is another really good question. I, I love I love that you're pointing this out. For me, like, let's just say market turns or whatever it is, right? We, um, you know, the, there's a different cycle. Let's just take this, for example. Uh, the cycle of the market right now, office buildings are, are um, you know, vacant, right? People aren't leasing office space like they used to. So everybody's running from it. For me, like, I'm, I always think, okay, so if that's what's going on, Where's the opportunity in this whole thing? So the opportunity could be this. Um, if I feel jammed up emotionally, jammed up in business, and I'm my vision gets very narrow. And when I say narrow, like I'm, I, I, I'm frustrated. Um, I'm too, uh, maybe um, too hyper focused on the problem to where I'm not seeing where the opportunities are. So if I could take a step back and look at like, all right, for example, this office space, everybody's running from it. There's opportunity. What's the opportunity? The opportunity could be, you're going to be able to pick this stuff up cheaper. You're going to be able to work out terms and conditions. You're going to be able to probably get seller financing, but more importantly, like what if I turned it into multifamily? What if I took that, building that no one's looking at the same way and, and transform it into something totally different. I wouldn't be able to think like that if I was just hyper-focused on the problem, right? As a problem, as a problem, and I get tight-chested and I get narrow thoughts and my receptors kind of just all bunch up or cut, them, cut themselves off. So if I'm able to, to broaden my thinking and take a deep breath and focus and then take a step back, it may take a day or two for me to find the opportunity in it. But if I start thinking of like, instead of the problem, like where's the opportunity? Where's the, where's the opportunity in this whole thing? Here's a problem, but really where's the opportunity? Because everybody else is probably feeling the same problem in that situation. For me, it's taken me years to kind of step at um, problem state and look at it like, where's the opportunity here? There's an opportunity, I'm just not seeing it. Like, let's find where that is. Like, show me, show me where it is. And sometimes it shows up in the middle of the night. I'll wake up like, oh my gosh, that's it. Sometimes having a conversation with someone and just mapping stuff out. And then it's like, wow, sometimes it's a couple steps away from that. But I think the being hyper-focused in on the problem and not thinking about where's this, like take a step back, like let go of that. For me, I get a tight chest when I'm thinking about the problem versus like, be chill about it and just think about it totally different. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I deal with setbacks and failures. And like, where's the, where's the positive part in it? Like I've had definitely my fair share of failures and then some. So, um, you know, I also like to focus on the stuff that is working, make that work even better. How could you enhance it and keep that moving? And I know people say, if it's don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But you know, also it's like who moved my cheese, right? So at some point, yeah, if you're not, you know, constantly refining and trying to improve, then someone else is going to come, you know, steal your lunch at some point. Well, you know, I love that you you mentioned, you know, when you feel like you have a tight chest, it's it's a sign for you that your vision is is narrow and that you're not you're not zoomed out enough and you're not a, a seeing this from uh, an objective enough. Uh, a view and uh, cause that's important. Cause I think a lot of times we don't recognize when our body is signaling to us uh, where we're at mentally or emotionally, right. Where somebody right. might go, Oh, I have a tight chest. Let me go take uh, a Tylenol or Advil 
where for you, you recognize the tight chest as a signal that um, you need to, to sit with it, go for a walk, take a break, maybe talk to some other people about it and, and, uh, and get some, air, get some, out, uh, what did my buddy call it from succession? He said, I'm gonna get some altitude. He's like, get some mm. altitude on it, you know? Um, are there other body signals that, that kind of let you know where you are at m- mentally? I would say that's probably, um, you know, the main one right there. Um, yeah, because I feel it in my chest. It depends on the situation, whether, you know, what you're dealing with, whether you feel it in your head or stomach or whatever, right? We've, that's those back to that energy and patterns that we we feel in different situations. For me, though, in business or if I'm just constricted in the way that I'm thinking, I just notice like I just, you know, just get tight in the chest and this you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, whoa, what are you doing, John? <laughs> like, you, you, you caught yourself. You were way too, you were, you were way down in the weeds on that whole thing. Like, take a step, like you said, get some altitude. I love it. And then uh, last question, or actually last two questions. One is Real Estate Knowledge Institute. Please tell us about that and how people can uh, associate themselves with you. Yeah. So it real quick, I'll tell you how it started. Right. So, um, you know, people used to come to me right after 2008, I was doing fairly good at real estate. We started buying houses in, in Detroit and then started buying here in Phoenix. And then people would ask me all the time, like, help me get going in real estate, help me get going in real estate. So at some point, um, I noticed what did and didn't work. What didn't work was, you know, you know, having people drink from a fire hose on, you know, everything they should do in two or three days. So I quickly learned like, you know, you want to, you want to gas your, try to teach them everything you can about what your ex, uh, expert in or what your expertise is in a short period of time, because they're not going to do it and there's going to be embarrassing for them. And so then there's a disconnect. So what we decided to do is we decided to spread out all these different tasks over, you know, could take someone a half a year to go through everything, but that could be multiple times that they're doing flips. But so anyways, long and short of it, it, we stumbled onto it. It wasn't like we searched out and said, I wanted to start teaching real estate. It was people were coming to us and they were starting to come to us even faster. So we started working with other investors that were maybe more strategic and different, um, spots than myself like my weeks my weak spots is what i tried to uh have everybody else around me do even my strengths like hey like bring someone even better than me at it right but like i'm trying to orchestrate the entire thing there's not uh when i when we were doing this i was like i don't want it to be associated with my name i i don't need it to be john troutman or anything like that it needs to be about a group and so we call them team members so there's other team members that are much more successful than me at their, their their craft, if you will. Some of them are well-known, very well-known, and some of them you wouldn't know, but are crazy wealthy because they just don't have, they don't put their stuff out there, right? So, or I should say crazy successful. So um, in that whole thing, um, we decided not just to focus on fix and flips or not just wholesale. We focus in on you know, various uh, parts of commercial, like could be warehouses, it could be, so So our, our spectrum is much wider than a lot of other people's out there. And I think a lot of companies look for like, what could we get away with the minimum we're in giving and fulfillment? I'm always trying to think like, what could we give to them in addition to, because they're tools for them to go out and make money. And so we're launching one, like for example, and we'll put the industry on its head and I don't mind talking about it right now, but um, so, you know, you have the industry super tight on, and so investors aren't necessarily sure, you know, they get like on wholesale residential deals, right? They're not sure where to take those deals. So what we've done is we've created a conduit or a place where people could go plug in, you know, um, a house that they wouldn't be able to, buy fix and flip because it's there's not enough money in it where we're now selling to basically the secondary market 
or investors that pay a premium for those properties. So, you know, you find certain criteria you could plug into our system and then go make money. This is one example of what we're always trying to push for and help the investor to kind of, um, you know, not kind of, but to help them make money. The markets, it has cycles and through the cycles come opportunities. So if we could help during those cycles, because we can, because we're in it. So it's like what we're doing, we teach people. It's not just like, hey, here's fix and flip. That's all you're going to do. No, it's like got cycles. So also like office buildings down. So let's teach people how to pick that up or warehouses or, you know, retail, whatever it is. Like, let's look at your market, figure out what the opportunities are and, and go after it. So that's the stuff that we, we do. Uh, so real estate knowledge Institute came from more about like a community. I, you know, could I have come up with a better name? Probably. Probably. But at the time, I was just like, well, we need a, what do we call it? The team of investors. I mean, that's essentially what it is. It's a team of investors that make up a community and uh, everybody has access to to talk to everybody. If someone wants to talk to me, they could talk to me. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to build something where, to where, you know, um, you know, people are in verticals they can't communicate. It's, it's important to me that there's transparency there and that people can talk to each other. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. And then last question and ask this of all my guests is always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them, John? Mm. How come I didn't know that you did this? I didn't, I didn't know that. So it's, it's kind of crazy because um, it's other than the cliche thing, it's not worth it. Whatever you're going through is temporary. Whatever you're going through, um, I believe, is what is to make you stronger. And it will make you stronger. And it may not seem like it at the time. You know, in 2008, we saw so many people, when, when the market collapsed, they lost their wealth. You talked about people that built it for 20, 30 years and they lost it overnight. You saw people take their lives because of it. And you, it's temporary money. All that stuff is like, it's not ours anyways. It's just borrowed, right? If you built it, you did it once, you'll do it again. It's really easier the second time. But that's just on the money part, the pain, the suffering, all the stuff that we go through as humans. I sincerely believe it's a gift that's being given to us to work through so we can help others. You, you, we have to see it that way. That's, that's the reality. It's, it's our duties to push through that and go help the next person behind us, the next three people behind us. Um, in, in the middle of it, like you need to reach out to somebody, you know, you need to get help, um, you know, do whatever it takes, like call. You got to get out of that funk though, but you got to do something. I, I would say the stuff that um, the routines that I've created, I didn't create them, excuse me, created for myself. And my habits are the things that have kept me uh, mentally strong from, um, you know, going down dark avenues, right? We all, we all have those demons, but it's what we do on our daily basis. So meditation, is it good for us? I think so. Cold water plunges? Yes. Reading books? Yes. You know, doing the some exploratory things to, to help us mentally. Yes. The, the pain that we're, we go through, um, you know, I, I used to think like, Oh my gosh, this pain that I'm going through, like, how could this be like, um, it seems like it's going forever, right? Like you just, where's the, when's the end of this thing? But I think as you have faith and you push through that, everything starts to unfold the way that it's supposed to. We're all, 
you know, how's a diamond created? Through pressure, right? Through that pressure creates the diamond. I also have other beliefs in what happens to us if we end our lives um, and when, when we shouldn't. I think that that's just a dark spot that we have to come back and we have to live all that stuff again. So why? Why do that? Why put yourself through it if you know you got to go through it again? But your lineage, you talked about that. The stuff that we put on our family when we do that is it's not fair either. Like that's that's an imprint left on our lineage. So we we can't, it's our duty to be strong and push through. Touch it, you know, getting, uh, finding faith, Jesus, uh, some religion, spirituality, whatever you want, but finding a deeper purpose, I think would be, you know, one thing to start with. Um, but finding some a support group, find, you know, reaching out for help. I know I'm super long-winded, but this is something I, I always, I share this often. I don't know if you could read that. If it says, if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. Lao Tzu. I, I believe that because like, as we're talking, let's just say I'm down and out right now. I'm depressed. Well, well that's because my thoughts are somewhere else. They're back there. I'm talking to you. We're having a good time right now. We're having a real conversation. This is good, solid, right? No matter what, like, I'm okay, right? I'm okay. You're okay. Like, so there's nothing for us to go and explore. So just stay in the moment, right? It's what, like, meditation could do for people is help them stay in the moment, right? There's lots of good apps out there. There's Sam Harris waking up. Uh, there's Calm. There's all sorts of phenomenal apps. There's free apps all or free stuff all over YouTube, it, it may seem super minor starting with some of this stuff, but it's no different. You go into the gym and you start with 10 pound weights. You start doing this little, little stuff pretty soon. You know, you're doing 50 pounds. It's no different than up here. Like it may start really small. Like I, I, I thought for a long time, like, what am I doing this meditation for? Like, this isn't working until I, until I noticed it working. Right. It's just one of those things. It's hard to, it's hard to quantify because when we look at our skeletal, like we, oh, okay, this is working, but mentally it's like all of a sudden things start to shift. You may not see it shifting, but it starts to shift. And so, you know, it's been a, a huge impact on me. It's, you know, I share the gift of, you know, apps and breath work and all that stuff on, on my Instagram. Some people might think, what is this guy? He's like real estate. Is he real estate or is he into this, you know, spiritual and breath work and meditation? Yeah. You know, in fact, <laughs> everybody that comes into our, our classes, you know, there's typically something that's kind of holding us back. So I give everybody a complimentary session on, on, um, um, personal development and I hire uh, I have a company come and do it they, they do it with these guys so I think it's important because we have to understand ourselves like there's limitations we put on ourselves so if we're not identifying that stuff we probably won't see the success that we want to see anyways because we're we, we haven't identified you know some of those issues so if we're tackling this piece and we're giving you the knowledge and we're holding you accountable and walking you through we're just we'll see a higher likelihood of success in you uh, than if we just used a one-prong approach like here's the information and that doesn't really work either like I have a book go read the book if you want to do it like but there's something about us interacting and you know like hey if I'm coming to you for advice or you're working with me and then every week I'm supposed to be doing something I'm you know I know I'm accountable to you and you gave me a task I'm not going to want to show up like and waste your time and my time, especially if I'm paying you, right? So I'm going to be like, okay, I have work to do. I better get this done before our meeting again next, you know, Monday at two o'clock. I better be on my game or whatever, you know. So it's it's a combination of those things. But uh, um, I know I'm way off on the the topic. It was a you caught me off guard on that one. No, and and, and I appreciate you being so passionate about your response. You know. Um, and and the listeners appreciate it too. We all, we all do because 
it's right. It's not about having a one-pronged approach. It's about a multi-pronged approach. It's not just about having a therapist. It's like, you know, I have a therapist, I have a masseuse, I have an acupuncturist, I have a guitar teacher. I have, I have a whole team um, dedicated to my wellness and, and, uh, and thriving and, and growth. And cause like, you can't do it by yourself. And, you know, and it, it does take a, a strong network. It takes time to build that network, right? Like, you know, sometimes you, you find a therapist and you don't mesh well, you know, I've had like six therapists and now I find like finally someone that I'm like, wow, she actually listens and I feel heard and I feel safe enough to, to share. So it takes time to build a team and you might have to fire some people, let some people go. Some people might fire you or whatever, but, um, but, but the intention is there to, to build a team, a tribe, a community so that you can continue to thrive and, and, uh, and serve a, a bigger purpose. John, exactly. thank you so much for taking this time out. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you going to build your team for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK or any of the other numbers lo- listed in every single show notes. If you're in Sri Lanka, if you're in Canada, if you're in Budapest, there is a phone number, there is a chat, there's a group, there's someone ready and willing to listen to you right now and to be a part of your mental health team. Uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you, Leo. Appreciate it. Appreciate you.